everyone. It's good to see all of you today. Yeah, it's good to be in the house of the Lord and, and be able to fellowship with all of you and to sing with all of you and, and learn more about Jesus as we go through the message and yeah, learn new things and try different things and get stretched and move out of our comfort zones a little bit. So let's open in a word of prayer. Jesus, we thank you so much that we can come into your presence and come into your house and gather in your name. We thank you for that incredible freedom, both as a national freedom, Lord God, and that we have the freedom to come into your presence before your throne, that we have that privilege to approach you, the God and master of the universe. God, we pray that you'd be with us this morning. Lead us nearer to you in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and stand if you can, and we will start with Build Your Kingdom Here. Hey! 
saved your soul what a glorious day what a glorious miracle that he does in each of us at this time we're going to take a moment uh, to pray for the offering it's such an amazing privilege to be able to give back to the maker of the universe the one who's given us everything and we get to give back to him Lord we thank you for that privilege that we can give to you. We can come to you. We can give back to help build your kingdom. God, we thank you that you involve us. God, that we are part of your plan. You don't just do everything for us, but we are a part of your plan, of your will. And we thank you for that. We pray that as we give, that you would use our gifts, use them for your kingdom in your name. Amen. The offering plates are up front if you'd like to give here in person, or you can always give online at glendiveag.org. You are good, you are good, when there's nothing good in me. Play for all to see you are light, you are light when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace when my fear is crippling. You are true, you are true. Even in my wandering, you are joy, you are joy, you're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life, in you death has lost its sting. And oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your always be enough nothing compares to your embrace light of the world forever you are more you are more than my words will ever say you are Lord you are Lord all creation will proclaim I'm made whole. You are God. You are God. Of all else, I'm letting go. And oh, I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to Light of the world forever 
always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever reign. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the
dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless stand before the throne. Faultless stand before the throne. Christ alone, the cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love.
I owe all to you. I owe all to you. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. Where your love ran, ran, and my sin washed white. I owe all to you. sacrifice that the Lord gave and we'll share in communion and remembrance of the sacrifice he gave for, for me, for you we're so undeserving of that grace and that mercy and yet from the beginning of time even before time began the word of God declares that that was the plan that God would become flesh that he would dwell among us and we would see his glory. And that he would then, as a lamb without blemish, go to a cross to be the atoning sacrifice that he himself required. That we might find the forgiveness of sins, not just for one day, not for one year, as was practiced by the law, but for all of eternity. Lord, thank you for the sacrifice you gave, for making a, a way for us to know you. Thank you for loving us so much. 
There's nothing we do or can do to earn that love. We do know as we come to you in faith that we are then, as your children, called to live lives of holiness, to walk in your righteousness, to love one another after first loving you, to put ourselves at less and put you and others at the more in our lives. Lord, we're so thankful that we can receive forgiveness. We can receive the love and the the guidance, the wisdom. But, Lord, you ask of us as well. And so, Lord, I give myself to you once again, not because I needed to for the sake of my salvation, but for the sake of my obedience. To respond, yes, to the drawing of your spirit in my life. As we all commit ourselves once again into your hands to listen and to obey. To prove our love to you by saying, yes, sir. Jump how high. I pray, Lord God, that you will receive our love, receive our our commitments And lead us by your spirit as only you can. There are many needs that are here, Lord. And as we gather in your house of worship, we also pray for the needs that are among us. You know what they are. And in our small groups, we will have opportunity to lift up specific needs. To look to you for the miracle that we so long for. And while we have our desire, we have our, our thoughts, and we certainly have the plans that we think would be good, Lord, overall and in everything, we pray for your will. Accomplish your will in our lives, I pray. And we thank you for that. Whatever it is you choose to do, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Just take me a while or a moment here to get my microphone adjusted. We've got a new head mic. How do you like it? You like it? <laughs> it's not like a big cotton ball in my face, no? Not that it was such a bad thing, but I'm not sure if I have this set just right, but we're going to give it a try. All right. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about what's happening in the church real quickly. You probably noticed that there's some empty chairs up here. 
Uh, we did uh, reach out to find some ideas of costs for chairs, and we got some responses. And basically what you're looking at is two different companies that are probably competing at the highest level. Uh, after the service today, if you want to take a very close look, you sure can. We'll just move them off the platform, and you can sit on them, look at them. Uh, they are a little bit different cost. One is probably just a little bit more than the other. Uh, but the big, the big factor depends on shipping. Uh, if we order 200 shares, which is maybe the number, maybe less, we haven't decided on, on how that's going to go. Uh, we're looking at anywhere from 3000 to $5,000 in shipping costs, which is huge, as our former president would say. That's huge. Uh, I, I don't know why. I can't say huge anymore without thinking of our former President Trump. Anybody else have that problem? Uh, he kind of ruined it for me, or maybe he made it better. I'm not sure which. So anyway, uh, they are a little bit different costs. You're going to average anywhere with shipping, if you figure it, around $70 a chair uh, for the shipping. The cost of the chair itself is in the 50s, but then the shipping adds and so forth. But take a look at them if you like, and as the funds come in, we'll make the opportunities come to where we can then uh, move things into place. Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, for those of you who are sitting on cushions right now, you say, Amen, Hallelujah. Right? And, uh, and so anyway, that's, that's just a quick uh, announcement. You can see that we are tracking the, the dollars that have come in so far, and we're at just under $900 so far for the, for the chairs and if you, can, <coughs> you can certainly do math if you want to figure out what we're looking at possible for full cost. Uh, there are a couple other announcements that are coming up. Uh, one of the things I want to mention, you can see there, there's a leadership meeting, there's a coffee, there's Easter Sunday, which is going to be the regular service schedule. Uh, we hope that you will not only come, but bring your friends and your family for a very special day of celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. And also, uh, we have a spiritual gift study that Janice Thompson will be leading, and I look forward to hearing how that comes together and being a part of that to learn about the gifts of what God has called each of us to live by, and we're going to have personal challenges that go along with that. It's not just a universal challenge, but you, uh, as you've been told many times, have a gift of God that is just for you. What is God asking you to be a part of, and what is he asking you to do? So I think that will be a wonderful study. I think it goes for three weeks. I won't, will not be there for the last one because of district council that will be during that same time. Kids Ministry Parents Night Out is also coming up. And so those are your announcements for the day. Pretty exciting. Amen. Things are happening. And uh, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our kids, I suppose, to Kids Church. So they can make their way. Who is leading that today? Oh, there we go. I was waiting for an adult to stand up. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> kids leading kids. That could be dangerous. Thank you so much for taking those kiddos downstairs to learn about Jesus. Hallelujah. As they are going, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Galatians chapter 4 and get ready to discuss some things together as a group. And I realize that it's not convenient and comfortable. I, I understand that. I hear you. And I realize also some of you have hearing challenges. And I, I implore you to find a way to, to do your best to be able to talk in a small group 
because I, I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is challenging us to do. I, I've, I've looked at it. I've heard some of the concerns. Uh, I've also heard a lot of the, the responses of people that are saying, I love it. This is so wonderful. And so we're getting lots of different uh, thoughts in response. But I do believe at this time for now, we are doing what God's asked is to allow for you the opportunity to share together. And today we're going to do something really special. You are going to receive communion in your small groups. And it's interesting because, for those of you who are online, if you can be prepared for that, I think, by all means, please, uh, find anything that you can do to participate. Bread and and a cup of juice of some kind. Uh, But you're going to... You're going to find out that, you know what, you don't have to have a priest or a minister to lead you in remembering the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ through communion. There is no written rule, there's no scripture demand or command that says only a pastor can do so. Uh, I've had people approach me and say, I would like for you to do communion with me. And I've, I've often, obviously, said yes, if I'm able to. Uh, but you know, you, as a follower of Christ, can also have communion as often as you would like. That is not sacrilegious. That is, that is something that is open for you to participate in as a, as a family, as a group of friends that are together at a study, however you feel led to do so. And we're going to actually practice that today. So, Take a few moments now, find some people to sit around and enjoy a small group of four people or so, Uh, and please uh, do your best to mingle in with people that maybe you haven't been with before. Uh, Get to know someone else. It's okay to expand your horizons a little bit. Do your best to make it comfortable. If you're young and spry and mobile and flexible, you can be the one to turn around in the seat and and let the the less flexible sit forward in that comfortable pew. How about that? Would that work? (laughs) All right, you're looking good. We got two here. We could probably make that a four. My mic's upside down. That's why I'm having a hard time. Thank you. Thank you, tech man. Yeah. Now we're talking. For those of you who didn't hear that, my mic was upside down. Well, let's all have a good laugh at my expense. I'm okay. Okay, so turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. This was last week's message, Abba, Father. We talked about the Trinity. We talked about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and each role that they play in the Godhead. God is one, amen? And yet he is chosen to reveal himself as three in one. And we are to to look to the Father as the final authority. He is the one that we seek 
Uh, we are drawn by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is the one that makes the way to the Father. Well, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, I'm going to read it for you. Uh, that will help you in your discussion, okay? It says, When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. If a son, then an heir through God. You are an heir through God, through the sacrifice of the Son, who is Jesus, and you are able to cry out, Daddy, Father. You have that, that, that relationship with God, and the Godhead has, has so many different attributes of how he works together as one God, who is also Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So, with that being read, it speaks of the adoption as sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. God is one, yet He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The question to talk about together is this. How did last week's message impact your week? Hopefully you were able to apply that truth in some way, shape, or form. Maybe the way you pray. Uh, After having shared that together, I would like for you to pray for each other's needs. Take the time to do that, please. Okay, we can start that countdown. Thank you.
about a minute left. If you have some time to pray for each other, that'd be awesome. Amen. Well, thank you for taking the time to share together. I, I hope that you found it encouraging, and I hope you had an opportunity to pray for each other as well. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to share just a little bit, real briefly, before I get into the Word. This is not easy for me to do this. Um, our Sunday school class this morning was about pride. And it was a small group, and I'll say extremely small, right, Robert? It was a small group, uh, but we had good discussion. And some of the things of the Old Testament just baffle me. Uh, But God is asking me to be less so that you can be more. And that's not an easy thing for a preacher or for a pastor. I enjoy speaking. I enjoy preaching. Um, If I'm honest, I, I feel that I do it well. And I'm not saying that from a position of pride, although that is the danger. And God is asking me to take less time to share more pointed thoughts so that you can learn and grow together and disciple and learn how to disciple others. And I'm a willing party in that because I believe it's more important for you to share your faith everywhere you go than it is for me to preach a good message. 
Now, I'm still preaching, so don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> I'm going to give it my best in the 15-20 minute span God gives me. Uh, if I get long-winded, that puts us further back. Hopefully you'll be okay with that. But I want you to know that this is not easy for me to do either. It's really awkward, actually, to stand up here and enjoy watching you share together and build relationship. But it's what God's asking of us. And I believe that as we embrace it, whether this is what we do every Sunday or not, this is the pattern of what God wants you to do in your daily life. And I'm hearing people come to me saying, hey, I was sharing with my friend at work about the Lord. Hey, this happened when I was out and about. I'm getting more responses than I've ever had of you remembering to apply the Word of God to your daily life. To me, that is the great message ever preached. And so please be patient with with this pattern, with the awkwardness that it might be, and the difficulty of hearing each other because of the bouncing sounds, uh, and, and understand what God is asking us to do. God is asking us to do more than listen to a good word. He's asking us to live the word. And to be able to come back and celebrate the victory. Because your neighbor, your friend, your person in that group needs to hear what God did for you. And you're not going to get that opportunity without making it intentional. Because we don't do that anymore. We, we just don't. We do not schedule time to talk to our friends about what God is doing. We come to church. We listen to a word. We go home. God wants more. Your neighbor that doesn't know Jesus wants more. That's my little tiny window I felt just now to share with you. I love you all so much, and I want God's best for you. And if that means I have to preach less, I'm okay with that. Even though I love preaching, I really do. It's what's what God called me to do. But this is part of it. And so bear with me as we learn together how to apply what he's wanting to do in our lives. Divine covenant. What is a covenant? Uh, we use the word covenant because it sounds really super spiritual. It sounds more godly. Amen? I mean, it just sounds like a good thing. Well, a covenant is simply a contract it's some kind of agreement that is normally between at least two people. And I want to ask you this question in understanding the covenants of God. What kind of God are we serving anyway? I mean, who is this God? Those who are in the world, those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they don't know the Father through the sacrifice of the Son, they don't have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, they have strong feelings about God. Why would God allow this to happen? Why would God make this so? I mean, really, why did he create mosquitoes? Give me a break. Now, now in some parts of the world, mosquitoes aren't that big a deal. But there are places where they're terrible. But I, I will say this. I think a chigger is far worse than any mosquito. Anybody agree? 
chiggers are are they're from the pits of hell. I tell you. no, no, I shouldn't say that. They are terrible, terrible, nasty little things burrowing under the skin and doing crazy. But God created them for a purpose. I don't know what that was. Maybe that was from the fall, and yet it doesn't tell us that He created more things because of the fall. But who is this God that allows bad things to happen? Well, this is the God that we love and serve, who had a covenant who had a plan. And the plan was actually there before he created this world. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through verse 19. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Well, that sounds kind of arrogant. But it's not. I mean, how many times have you heard the phrases, I swear on my mother's grave? Right? Well, mom's not dead. You can't do that. You know. or, or whatever. Swear by something. How can, I, how can I know you're telling me the truth? Because I swear on my children. I swear on this. I swear on that. Well, that's, that's not unusual. Because you want to you make a promise that's binding, that forces you to make sure you keep true to it. Well, there is no one greater than God And God is trying to make a covenant. So what does he do? He swears by himself. I swear by myself, the I am, the one who is true, the one who is always honest and righteous and holy. I swear by myself. So he swears by himself in this covenant with Abraham, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, as I was saying, and in all their dispute, an oath is final for confirmation. They sign on the dotted line. They make promises. They, 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 they say, if you break this, then I'm no longer on the hook for this. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his promise, they guaranteed it, he, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. God made a promise, and he cannot lie. And who did he promise and make the covenant with? Himself. That's unusual for a covenant to be made in such a way. Because if you and I want to agree on something, we make that agreement together and we both make promises. Well, God's covenant, he's the one that made the promise. He didn't tell Abraham, okay, here's my promise, Abraham. Now, what's your, what are you going to give me in return? What's your promise? How are you going to sign on this dotted line? He didn't ask of that. He simply said, it shall be by my word. Verse 19, it says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. We have that anchoring of the soul to know that God's covenant is true. He cannot lie. People get upset and they get angry with God because of all the bad things in the world that are happening. But did you understand and know that you cannot have good without bad? There is no measure. You cannot have love without the capacity to hate. 
And so the plan was put into action, and he put the tree in the garden and says, Don't eat, knowing they would. Why? Because they needed the opportunity to say yes to God or no to God. And from that day forth, we still have opportunity to say yes to God or no to God. But his promise is always true. He cannot lie. The covenants of God are different. What is a covenant? I already shared a little bit. It's a binding agreement. It's a contract. Well, God makes a covenant and uses himself as the standard. In the Old Testament, the word covenant is used 272 times. That's a lot. Many different uh, reasons for, for that, but that's, that's a lot. The covenant word is common. In the New Testament, it's 33 times. God made covenants with his people. Why? To remove doubt, to remove the fear. There, there are some who don't like the idea of God having a plan and it's so sovereign that he knows those who will choose him and those who will say no, even before they're born. And yet, based on the foreknowledge of God, he can choose those who would be called the elect. We call that predestination. Most Assembly of God people hate that word because of the idea and, and the position of free will. And we get into these huge debates. Well, I want you to understand something. God knows all things. I don't. I chose God by my own free will. But God knew my choice before I was even created in my mother's womb. He knew my choice before I was born. And based on that knowledge, he had a plan for me. Just as he had a plan for you. The covenant of God started before he created the world. But was revealed through the patriarchs, through the matriarchs. It was revealed through time, through, through the birth of certain people that fulfilled the promises and the prophecies to come to a place in time when Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world, was born and came to a cross to die for you and me and rise again with the power of the keys of death and hell to say, you are forgiven and eternity you shall spend with me. If that covenant was based on our acceptance only and our ability to do it all right, we would fail and the covenant is broken. But God made his covenant of himself. What kind of God is this we, we serve that allows all the bad things in the world to happen? He's the same God that allows love to happen. He's the same God that does the miracles and calls people to himself unconditional love. No matter what you've done, you can be accepted into my family. You can be grafted into the root. The original root of Jesse is now available for all through the sacrifice of my son, Jesus Christ. God made an anchor for our soul by making the promise. That's what verse 19 says. If you look back at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16, well actually I'm still there. For people swear by, themse by 
something greater than themselves, and in all their dispute, an oath is final for confirmation. God's covenants are legally binding promises. They are oaths that he makes of himself to himself, not forcing our hand to be a part of such a thing for his promise to be true. His promise is true. All who come to him shall be what? Saved. That's his covenant. Why did he make a covenant then if we're not required to sign on the dotted line to make it so? Why did he do such a thing? He did it for our benefit. The same reason that he spoke of the predestination plan and the elect and the chosen was for your benefit to know that God is so amazing that he knows me and he knows what I'm going to do and based on that foreknowledge he has a plan in place. Not so that we could walk around and say, you're destined, you're not. You're predestined, you're not. Why, why is that truth so powerful? Because I know you can't surprise God. And I know his promise is always true. And I'm a blind sower trying to get the seed out there to all the people, and I keep throwing it on the path, and then I throw it in the thorns, and I throw it in the rocks. I remember teasing my dad when he used the old-style drill to go down the field. I couldn't pass up the opportunity to say, Hey, Dad, you know, you're not supposed to plant the, the, the gravel road. <laughs> well, of course, he wasn't planting the gravel road, although there were some seeds that were dropping once in a while. And the birds came along, and they had a feast, right? Well, that's not where you grow crops. Where do you grow the crops? You put it in the good soil. Well, if I knew the predestined will of God, I'd only choose the good soil. Put it in the good places where only those who are elect would receive. And they would respond and they'd be saved. And I'd never have anybody say no. Wouldn't that be wonderful? No, that'd be terrible. I'm absolutely blind to that predestined understanding and knowledge of God. And so I put the seed every way I I can, every person I can, hoping that they are good soil. Because only God knows those things. Well, why does God tell us these things? He tells us for our benefit to know that He is such an amazing God that He knows our beginning and our end. And you can trust Him. That's why He made the covenant. For your benefit. God's covenants are unilateral. Most covenants are made between people. They're bilateral. If one breaks it, it's off. But God made that covenant knowing that he is the one of whom he makes the covenant with. He doesn't do it bilaterally. He did it, did it unilaterally. God's covenants only depend on him. They are not conditional. You can think of another covenant that's quite pop, uh, common. It's called the Noadic covenant. What was that? God will never destroy the earth by water again. Granted, he's going to destroy it by fire but not water. And we know that promise is true. And he put a sign in the sky to remind us of his promise. Everybody knows what that promise symbol is? It's a rainbow. And the understanding is there was never a rainbow before that day. And it's very likely true. Because there was no need for rain. 
It was simply the dew of the land that fed the, the, the moisture to the ground to create the plant life. And there was underground flowing rivers. But there was no need for rain. Therefore, there was no way for the, for the sunlight to hit those rays uh, after the cloud goes through and create the prism reflection of a rainbow. But ever since the flood, there's been rain. The earth opened up and burst forth from the ground. More water came from the ground than from the sky. That's what the Bible says. And God made a promise. If you stop being bad people, I'll never destroy the earth again with water. No, he didn't do that, did he? He knows we're not good. He made his promise, and the promise is true. Because he makes that covenant of himself. The Abrahamic covenant is what we read in Hebrews chapter 6, Genesis chapter 12 is where I'd like to look now and look at that just briefly. Genesis 12 verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, "Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation." I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If we jump ahead to chapter 15. Beginning with verse 5. And he brought him outside and said, Lord, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. So shall your seed be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these, cut them in half, laid each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and beheld, behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is, that's wanderers, by the way, In a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Why did God give Joseph those terrible dreams? Because of this promise? Because they had to get to Egypt, where they would once become slaves and be in bondage for 400 years. So Moses could come and bring them out of their captivity to celebrate the Passover so that Jesus could come to be the Passover lamb who takes away the sins of the world. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. I'm almost there to where I want to read. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between those pieces. That is, by the way, 
the Lord himself. We've heard of the fiery bush that doesn't burn up, and God spoke from that bush. Well, this is very similar to that because God himself went between the pieces. He walked through the blood of the sacrificial lamb. He walked through the blood of the sacrificial calf. He walked through the blood of those animals and birds. And he said, I make this covenant and I am the one by which I make it. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your offspring, I give this land. To your seed, I give this land. To your uh, descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the greater river and river of Euphrates. His covenant has been made. You can trust it to be so. How is it possible that the stars are going to be symbolic of the numbers of those that can say, Father Abraham, because of Jesus Christ, who is the seed that was spoken of? Not plural, but the singular seed. And you can find that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. Listen to the description of this covenant from the New Testament perception and perspective. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ? This is that, what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance came by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions and until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. You're probably wondering, why are we talking about all this? Because we're about to celebrate the new covenant. In just a little bit, we're going to celebrate the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is graphically uh, described in Isaiah 53. By his stripes we are healed. God made a covenant with Abram. To the seed of Abraham, the descendants would be more than the stars of the sky. How is that possible? Through the the born-again experience, salvation, of each and every one of us and everyone from the beginning of that time, those who were faithful to God before that time, they're waiting for that once and for all sacrifice. Because God made a promise. He made that promise with Abram, who was later called Abraham, because he was willing to sacrifice his own son. And God stopped him and says, stop, I'll provide the sacrifice. Here it is in this thicket, in this bush, in these thorns. It's all caught up. Use this. Scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. That's verse 22. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. 
Every year we had to sacrifice. Every year there had to be a blood offering because of the judgment of our sins. But God held back his judgment one more year because of the sacrifice we would bring. One more year he'd hold back. One more year he wouldn't come down with the hammer. One more year he would relent until the perfect one came. Verse 24, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ who have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male, no female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. It's all connected. The Abrahamic covenant that was made was made for you and me. And God walked through as a lamp As a light, he went through the blood and said, in a sense, to Abram, If you break this covenant, you may take my life. You may shed my blood. That's the meaning of the covenants that are made with blood sacrifice. Now, if you and I were to make that covenant... We would have the animals cut and the trench would be in such a way that the blood flowed to the middle. And then you would walk through the blood and you would say as it splashed upon your own ankles and your garments on your sandals and your body, you would say to me, if I break the covenant, you may shed my blood. And then I would take my turn and I would walk through the blood and I would say to you, because we make this together, if I break this covenant, you may do this to me. You may take my blood. But God is the one that woke walked through that trench. He's the one that walked between the halves of the animals. And he said to Abram, if you break this covenant, you may take my blood. And he's the only one to walk through the blood. And he says, and the numbers of the stars can't even count how many descendants will come from my seed, which will come from you, Abram. And Christ was born of a virgin. A descendant of Abram, who was Abraham, who had a descendant named King David, who had descendants of Joseph, the legal, rightful heir, and then Mary, the biological, rightful heir. And the two got married and had a son, and Joseph was not actually the father. God himself was. But the legal rightful heir, according to the man's part in a marriage and the sonship of Jesus, was there. And then Mary created or allowed for that biological connection because it was her egg that was fertilized through the power of God in a miraculous way. It was not the seed of man, but the seed of God, if you will. And Jesus was born without the sinful nature, and then he lived a life of perfection without sin. And came to a cross to die for you and to die for me and rose again on the third day. Because that's the kind of God we serve. 
One who makes a promise and keeps it. One who makes a covenant and says, if you break it, I'm the one that dies, not you. And now we are grafted into the vine. We are heirs of God according to the promise. We are heirs with Christ as sons and daughters of the King. And we have a way to the Father. And we are drawn by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God has promised it so. And he does not lie. Hebrews chapter 10. We'll close with this reading. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written of me in the scroll of the book. I shall be the sacrifice. When he said above, you have neither desire nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to you to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have, seen, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. The Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And he said, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. The covenants of God are unchanging. And he swears by himself because there is no one by which he can swear. He is the one who cannot, will not ever lie. And from the beginning of time, his covenant has been established. And it has been revealed through the centuries from Abram, from Moses, 
from others who have followed faithfully, waiting for that one sacrifice that was promised, that through the seed, all nations would be blessed. And we are living in this age of grace where we can have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Because that's the kind of God we serve. You can trust him. He keeps his promise. Today, we might see through the glass darkly. One day, we will see him face to face. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to watch some of the chosen videos. I appreciate them. I can't necessarily say, yep, that's chapter and verse right there. That's exactly the way it happened. There's some liberty that's being used to give a human perception of the disciples, which I think is kind of cool. I enjoy it. I don't know if the disciples were like that or not, but it's kind of neat to see them from a different idea. But what I really appreciate is how awesome it was to hang out with Jesus. I mean, what a guy. That, that almost sounds sacrilegious to say, but do you realize that your greatest longing should be to be with him? He's not scary. He's the one you want to sit with. He's the one when you walk through the doors, you go, you're looking, where, where's Jesus sitting? Because I want to sit by him. Where's Father God? I want to know him better. He tells the best jokes. They're always clean. (laughs) Right? What a guy. Do you long to be with him? Is he your joy? Is he your life? Is he your everything? He ought to be. Lord, we're thankful that you made promises. And they're all connected. They're all weaved together. From the very beginning of before you even created this world and said, let there be light, you had a plan. And then throughout the centuries, you revealed that plan, little by little. And it was a little confusing for a while. Even the angels longed to look into this mystery of what was to come. But now it's been revealed. We can see it with our eyes open. We know. We know what it was all about. We, we are living it. What a, what a What a blessing to be born in the very last days. We think of how awesome it must have been to be there in the beginning, you know, Adam and Eve and then the children, and and wow, what a privilege it was for them to be at the very beginning of time. And here we are at the very possible last few years of what we would call time. And you chose to have us created for such a day. Thank you. Thank you for keeping your promise. 
As we remember your sacrifice, may your anointing be upon us to apply your word and your truth daily. That we would be the disciples making disciples, unashamed and glad to share with another. I pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a few moments, if you will, and ask the questions that are on the bulletin. They'll be on the screen. What did you like most about the message today? What does it say about God? How can I apply this message to my week? And then in a little bit, we're going to share communion.
Is this working? Hey, I would like for you to take time now to do communion together. I'm just cutting you a couple minutes short. And pick somebody in your group to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through verse 26. And then whether that person wants to do the praying or if you want to pick someone else to pray over the cup, over the bread, um, that's up to you as a group. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26, have someone read that and then pray over the bread, pray over the cup, and share communion together. And I'm going to do this for those who are online. And we can go ahead and cut my mic.